Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today we take the nuclear option to stop a best friend's bully. But first, revenge against an awful ex-boyfriend. I come from a place where people regarded a woman who is past a certain age and unmarried as a deep failure. Women are expected to marry in their early 20s while they're still fertile and can produce many babies and fill the house with children. I left my home country after high school to go to college here. After college, I decided to stay. I preferred it here because I didn't want to go back to the large, impossible expectations back home. Luckily, I got a great job after college and life was good. At least it was going well until my parents started to bother me about my status. I didn't date much in college because I was always busy studying. My mom convinced me anyway that it was better to wait until I was done with college before getting into a serious relationship. She said it was the best way to ensure that I had ample time to focus in school. I met someone in a community I was a part of. It was a community for students from my country. He was a sweet guy and we sure had a good time together, but we soon ended it because we had very different values. He wanted a traditional wife, someone who wouldn't work outside the home. He also wanted to get married in his senior year. That was too much for me, so we ended things before it got too far. I casually dated two people after ending that relationship. After college, I was too busy trying to climb up the ladder in my career. I barely had time to socialize or meet new people. My parents soon started to ask me about marriage. Not dating though, marriage. I left home and stayed away for so long to avoid the pressure, but the pressure started getting me. Besides my family pressuring me to marry and start a family, I wanted to get married too. I wanted a husband, a big house in the suburbs, a Volvo, and two beautiful children. As the pressure became a lot heavier, I became more desperate to marry. I thought the cosmos had answered my prayers when one day I met someone from my home country. What drew me to him were his thick, shapely eyebrows. I thought, wow, that's some good-looking dude. He winked at me and I smiled in response and went in to see the bank manager. I'd gone to the bank to speak to the bank manager on behalf of the company I worked for. The cute guy, who's now my ex, was waiting just outside the bank. I was about to slide into the passenger seat of the company's car I came in when I spotted him some feet away from the car, waving frantically at me. I turned to the company driver who drove me to the bank. Can I? I asked, nodding toward the guy who was still smiling broadly, revealing his gap tooth. I loved it. My dad has diastema and my brothers inherited it from him. Yeah, I think you should, the driver said. I had to politely ask him if I could because we were both on company time. I walked over to the man, smiling and waving. You know, you could have just walked over, I said to him. He smiled and said in a thick accent, I apologize, I just didn't know if that was your man. I turned back to see the man he nodded at. It was the company's driver. I said, oh, that's the driver. He raised his eyebrows and said, you have a driver? I said, no, my company has a driver. He looked relieved and that sort of offended me. I said, you'd have a problem if he was my driver? He smiled. 
He had a cute smile. Cute, I thought to myself, but stopped myself quickly. Well, I asked, still waiting for a response from him. He said, problem? Why would I have a problem with that? Look, if a person can afford to be driven around, they should go for it. I smiled and asked if he was from my home country. He said yes and guessed that I was too. We exchanged phone numbers at my request. I went to the office that day wondering if I'd found the one. I'd always wanted a tall man, one that had nice cheekbones, and most importantly, someone from my country. It only made sense to marry someone from my home country. I wanted someone who understood my culture and could communicate effectively with my family. I didn't subscribe to all aspects of my culture, but there's parts of my culture that I absolutely respect and value. I didn't want a man who didn't know my culture or why my family and I had to do things in a certain way. I daydreamed about that man all through my stay at work. I called and told my sister about him as soon as I got home. She was excited, also about the fact that he was from our country. Don't call him though, you don't want him to think you're the kind of person that comes onto a man. I rolled my eyes at my sister's ancient mindset. I said, that's so stone age. Men are so stone age, she replied to me, and we both laughed. She wasn't wrong, at least not about this man. He belonged to the stone ages, except that in this world, it was okay for me to go out into the world to work, pay the bills, and generally provide for us, while he sits around doing nothing but playing boss. Our relationship started on a great note. I was crazy about him, as I believed he was about me. He didn't have a great job or anything because he was still undocumented and couldn't work, but he was very attentive, caring, and selfless. I loved him for that. He randomly did things for me, drove me around, and took care of my plumbing, my plants, etc. He even made a couple of great meals for me that reminded me of home. It was marvelous. I would go out to work and return to a bouquet of roses. I loved him. I felt since I had him, I didn't need anyone else. He actually told me that. He said we didn't need anyone other than each other. He had no friends. I barely had friends too. One day, we argued. It was about money. He took some money from my purse and I confronted him about it. He got so angry about it and ended our relationship. I couldn't imagine living without him in my life. The past months had been so good that I didn't want it to end. I was addicted to him. I begged him to stay and he agreed. That was the beginning of the bad that went on in our relationship. He knew I was crazy about him and didn't want him to leave, so he took advantage of that. He threatened to end our relationship over everything and I, out of fear that he would end things with me, would do whatever he wanted or not do whatever he didn't want me to do. That year was the most difficult year of my life. My boyfriend was extremely bad to me. He lived in my house, but I was terrified of him. I couldn't stay out late and I couldn't hang out with friends or my coworkers outside work because he would say that I was hooking up with men and cheating on him. My low social interactions went from low to non-existent. I hardly spoke to anyone, just my coworkers. And even when I spoke to my coworkers, it was always about work. They soon stopped inviting me for parties and happy hour because I would give an excuse about not being able to come anyway. When I spoke to my parents, siblings, or any member of my family back home, he would sit around and listen in on our conversation. He wanted to hear everything I said to them and what their responses were. If I tried to leave the room while on a call to my family, 
He would follow me wherever I went and press his ear to my cell phone so he could hear our conversation. It was horrible. I lived in fear of his outbursts. I deeply regretted ever letting it move into my house. It wasn't even planned or anything. He showed up one midnight at my door with a small suitcase. He said his cousin, who was also his roommate, had thrown him out and he was in tears. I felt very bad for him and told him he was welcome to stay until he got back on his feet. Well, he never did. We both lived on my money. I paid for everything, yet he would complain about how I was spending too much money on cosmetics and new clothes. This was my money. Every time he got mad, I got worried that he would do something to me. Whenever he noticed that I was considering leaving him or no longer bothered by his constant mood swings, he would do something sweet for me that would reel me back in, and then he would come for me again. I got yelled at during the slightest disagreement. He would call me ugly, tell me I had bad hair and that my teeth were bad. After his outbursts, he would apologize, cook me a meal, and sometimes buy me a rose. He would promise to never repeat what had happened, but a week later, he would be back at it again. I couldn't tell my family what was going on. I was too ashamed, and I knew how happy they were that I was getting married soon. I felt it would break their hearts if I suddenly ended things with him. My mom especially would be heartbroken. One day at the office, I was having a total emotional meltdown, so I left the office for the building's garage, where my car was parked. When I got into my car, I called my sister and told her that my man had been doing bad things. Did he hit you? I hope he hadn't hit you, she said. No, I replied, tearing up again. She said, you have to end that relationship. I said, I want to, but I don't want to disappoint mommy and daddy. She said, no, honey, they would be happy to know you found the strength and courage to walk out of a relationship that was bad for you. I promised her I would end the relationship and warned her not to call when I was home, since he was always home with me and listened in on my private conversations. That night, my ex and I had a huge argument. He told me we didn't have milk, and I said, well, go ahead and buy some. I knew he was going to be mad again, but I didn't care. I was sick of him and had enough of him. He went on and on about how I was kicking him when he was down. He said his situation was temporary and that he would soon get an apartment of his own. At some point I said, yeah, right, and he came for me. He tried to make contact with me, but I dodged, ran into my room, and locked the door. He knocked violently, but I ignored him. I was too scared to even move in the room. I could not believe that I got close to getting hit. The last time anyone hit me was my mom when she used to spank my sister and me with two fingers when we were younger. He soon stopped knocking violently and started knocking softly, telling me he loved me and apologizing. I had seen even enough movies to know that it was going to happen many more times if I didn't stop it. I was used to him hitting walls and yelling at me. I'd worried that he would hit me in the past, but that day? He actually was going to. I had always been scared to call the police on him because he was undocumented, and I worried that they would invite immigration officials, but at that time, I was ready for him to be deported. I wanted that to happen to him for all the months he spent torturing me, stealing from me, and making sure my self-esteem stayed very low. I couldn't call the cops though, because my cell phone was in the living room. I opened the door to the room and saw him sitting by the door. He kept apologizing. He said he didn't know what came over him and that it would never happen again. I nodded faintly and said I was going for a walk. He tried to stop me and knelt before me, but I ignored him. 
I just went back in to pick up my car keys. I'll come with you, he offered. I refused. I just need to take a walk, I said weakly. He said, you're driving? I nodded affirmatively. He said, where are you going? I know you're not going for a walk because you're taking your keys. He started yelling again, but I was close to the door, so I ran out and got in the car. He walked after me. He couldn't run because it would be obvious to anyone around that he was chasing me. I kept driving until I saw an officer. I stopped by and told her what had happened. She couldn't go with me, but she made her partner go home with me. We found my ex just at the door of my apartment, and the police asked him to come with him. He tried to act like we were alright, but I wore a stoic look and ignored his attempt at showing affection. As I expected, the police invited immigration officials, and he was immediately arraigned before a court. They warned him to stay away from me and my home, so I went back to my apartment to fetch his stuff. When I was picking out his clothes, and it occurred to me that I'd bought most of them for him, I burst into tears. I felt like a loser for dating someone like him. I don't know how things ended because we had no mutual friends, but I knew he was in a bad situation. There was no way he could afford a good immigration lawyer to represent him, so he was most likely going to get deported. Plus, I never heard from him again. Whenever I think of all that he did to me in our relationship, I comfort myself with the fact that I got my revenge. Revenge is certainly best served cold. It takes a lot of strength to stand up to somebody that has been allowed to be so controlling and so entrenched in a power position in a relationship like that. Whether OP feels bad about them getting deported or not, I think they did the right thing. And by the way, if you enjoy crazy stories of revenge like this, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our final story of the day is, Bully humiliates my best friend, so I return the favor. I don't have a lot of high school stories. I'm not a really adventurous guy. I'm really conservative and I don't do what isn't expected of me. Because of this... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My high school life was pretty boring, but there was one of my experiences in high school that stood out from all the rest. The time I decided that I wasn't going to sit on the sidelines anymore if I wanted things to change. The time I actually took action. This was the time I stood up for my best friend and ended his bullying once and for all. It all started when my family moved from Canada to the United States. My dad got a pretty big promotion at work and he was supposed to head the branch of chain of hotels that he works in. The only downside was that he was going to have to move. He didn't have a choice. At first, he traveled alone to secure a good place, and a month after he did, we all joined him. My first step outside the airplane, I knew that the United States was way different from Canada. I had this sinking feeling that the whole move was a bad idea, and we were all going to regret it. I literally had a panic attack at the airport. My mom eventually succeeded in calming me down. She assured me that everything was going to be okay and that I was going to make as many friends here as I did in my former high school. I believed her. Dad came to pick us up at the airport and we had lunch at a McDonald's. 
He talked non-stop about how different the United States was from Canada and how it might take some time to adjust. The fear instantly came back. After we were done, Dad drove us to our new apartment. It was tiny. It was way smaller than our house in Canada, and here, my elder brother and I had to share a room. I hated the United States already, and all I wanted right then was to go back home. My dad assured us that it was just in the meantime, and we were going to get a house in the suburbs as soon as he could get enough money. We traveled during the summer of my freshman year of high school, and I was supposed to start my sophomore year after the long summer holidays. When the summer was finally over, I started in the high school. My dad gave me a pep talk to get me over my fear. He told me that it was going to be exactly like my former school and people were going to love me, but that wasn't true. It was exactly what I expected. Rough, harsh, mean, most of all, lonely. The students were nothing like my friends back in Canada. My dad was wrong. I used to play hockey back in my former high school, but there wasn't a hockey team in the new school. I had to make do with football. I wasn't really good at that and I barely made the team. Still, my teammates didn't like me very much. I think it had something to do with my accent. Anyways, one day, during lunch, I got my food and then walked over to my favorite table. Well, not my favorite table, it was one of those tables discarded for the nerds and social outcasts. I sat there and ate my slice of pizza. A few minutes later, a group of boys approached me and sat at the table, eating their lunch. One of the boys turned to me and introduced himself. His name is Ben. He told me he sat behind me in our physics class and we started to talk from there. He was kind of fascinated that I came from Canada, and he asked a ton of questions about my former school. The other guys joined in on the conversation and we talked for most of the lunch break. When it was over, we said our goodbyes and went to our respective classes. That same day, at the close of the day, we met up again, and we walked home together. When I got home, I told my elder brother about the new friend I'd made. My elder brother had just finished high school, and he was taking a year off before he went off to college. He was really happy that I was finally fitting in. Ben and I got really close in school, even though we were in different worlds. He was a chronic science nerd and anime geek, while I was a sports person. I can't go as far as calling myself a jock because I wasn't one of the best on the football team. Still, we enjoyed each other's company, and it was really great. One time, Ben's parents decided to go on a weekend getaway, and Ben was supposed to be alone at home. So he invited me along with his other friends, and we spent the weekend together just geeking out. We spent the Saturday binge watching all the Star Wars movies ever made, and Sunday we spent the Sunday playing games. It was so much fun. Ben had quickly become my best friend. A few weeks later, close to our midterms, I decided that I wasn't going to go to football practice because I wanted to study for the tests. I texted Ben and we agreed to meet up in the hallway. So after the end of class, I packed my stuff in my locker and waited for him there. A few minutes later, he showed up and we were ready to go to his house to do some studying. Suddenly, some seniors showed up and surrounded us. I didn't know what was going on because I had never been bullied in my life. I didn't know what to expect. I turned to Ben and my god, he was terrified. He was so scared that he was shaking like a leaf in the cold. I wanted to ask him what was going on, but the senior spoke first. They asked me to leave because they only had business with Ben. I didn't understand at the time, but there was some kind of unspoken rule that protects athletes against bullying. I had to watch from a distance as they collected Ben's lunch money and the orange juice in his locker. 
He didn't try to protest. He just stood there helplessly as they rummaged through his bag and locker, searching for something, I guess. When they were done, they flung his bag across the hallway and walked away. Ben quietly dropped to his knees and packed his stuff. I hurried over to join him. A few minutes later, I asked him if he was okay, and he said, Sure, why not? As though nothing happened. I was a bit surprised at this, but I didn't want to press. It was obvious that he didn't want to talk about it, and I didn't want to press further. We walked home silently, and all through the journey, I could tell that Ben was really sad. He wasn't himself, and whenever I talked to him, it was as though he was spacing out. I knew he needed to talk about it, even if he didn't want to. We got to his house a few minutes later, and we got started with chemistry. I made stick-it notes and asked him a couple of questions. Even though Ben was one of the smartest students in chemistry class, he was messing up a bunch of the questions. So I put down the note and decided that it was time to talk. Ben still didn't want to say anything, but I didn't back down. Eventually, he told me about the bullying. It started when he was in middle school. One of the bullies knew Ben was good with maths, and he tried to get him to do his assignments for him, but Ben said no. That was the beginning of his bullying, and even though he gives him his lunch or lunch money, they never stop. They even go as far as pushing his head down the toilet or stealing his clothes in the boys' locker room after gym. It was awful, and I couldn't imagine having to go through high school. I asked him what he had done about it. He had a bunch of friends, geek friends, and I felt like they should have been able to come to his aid. Ben laughed and said they were all being bullied too. And the only thing stopping them from bullying me is that I was on the basketball team. Now, as I said before, I've never been bullied in my life. So it all feels weird to me that a guy from somewhere could just steal your stuff. I asked Ben why he hadn't reported the problem to the principal or a teacher. He laughed hard for a minute, then told me that they never really do anything to stop bullying. And telling would only make it worse. I didn't believe that, so I told him I was going to do something about it. Ben told me to leave it alone, but I couldn't. So the next day, during lunch break, I met up with the rest of the guys and convinced them that it was time to stand up for themselves and report the bullying to a teacher. They agreed and marched to the principal's office. After making their case, the principal called the seniors, and even though they denied having any involvement in the bullying, the principal gave them detention. I went to Ben and told him what had happened. I expected him to be happy that he was finally getting justice, but he wasn't as pleased as I expected. He told me nothing was going to change. The seniors would only get detention, and when they serve out their detention, they would come back for him even harder. Once again, I didn't believe that, and when they did their time, it looked like I was right. Because for the next few days, they didn't come after Ben, and even he had started to relax. But eventually, Ben turned out to be right all along. One day, a few minutes after our first class, we hung outside in the hallway, talking as we picked out our books for the next class. Suddenly, Ben went silent as he started to rummage through his locker. I asked him if he was okay, but when he turned to me, I knew that he wasn't. He was sweating all over. Before he could say anything, the seniors approached, and I could see the glint in their eyes. I knew immediately that whatever happened, they were involved somehow. Josh, the leader of the bullies, who's had a grudge against Ben since middle school, stepped up and pulled a book out from a bag. I didn't know what it was, but Ben did. Before he could say anything, Josh spoke up. 
If you want your diary back, meet us at the boiler room at the end of the school day. We met them there, and we were welcomed with a beatdown. I was also a recipient of this beatdown because I reported them to the principal. After that, they told us that they were going to read the diary to the whole school unless we give them our lunch and money. We didn't have any at the time, since it was already the close of the school day, so we were required to bring it the next day. I didn't argue. I knew how important the diary was to Ben, and since he didn't even let me read it, the book had to contain stuff he didn't want anyone to hear about. The next day, a few minutes before the lunch break, we met up with Josh and his gang. We gave them our lunch money and I had to give them a slice of my mom's famous strawberry pie. They returned the diary and left and I was relieved because I thought it was over. But with one look at Ben's face, I knew it was far from over. I asked him what was going on and he told me the book felt lighter. We quickly flipped open the pages and to our dismay, one of the pages had been torn off. We walked into the cafeteria to confront them, but as soon as we did, heads turned to laugh at Ben. Apparently, the page that was torn off from the diary was one of the most embarrassing parts of the whole book. It was something about a wet dream. I don't want to give out the details, but Ben was so embarrassed, he walked out of the cafeteria and stayed in one storage room till the end of the school day when he went home immediately. Ben didn't come to school for the next two days, and I got pretty worried. So at the end of the second day, I went straight to his house. I saw that he was still sad about the whole incident, and he was even trying to get his parents to help him transfer to another school. I told him not to because if he did, we won't be able to get revenge on Josh and the rest of the seniors. His eyes lit up, and he suddenly became interested in what I had to say. I explained that I'd actually been working on my own plan to humiliate them as they did him. It was actually an idea I got from a movie, and all we needed was a bunch of laxatives. We got some strong ones from a pharmacy nearby, and the next day, we poured them into Ben's orange juice plastic and went off to school. We were counting on the fact that he would be bullied that day, and he'd have to surrender his money and lunch. That was exactly what happened. Josh walked up to us as soon as we entered the hallway. He relieved Ben of his lunch bag, his money, and finally his orange juice. He drank the juice first and walked away with the rest. Mission accomplished. All we needed to do was watch him to see when the stuff will kick in. By our calculations, it was going to happen sometime around the lunch break. We had the other guys steal the toilet keys from the janitor, and we waited till we saw him get uncomfortable in the cafeteria. Then the guys hurried over to lock the boys' bathroom. When Josh couldn't hold it anymore, he rushed over to the bathroom. But to his disappointment, they were all locked. He had no choice but to hurry into the female's restroom. When he did, we began the last phase of our plan. We told everyone in the cafeteria that Josh was perving out in the female's restroom. And just as we expected, they all gathered outside to wait for him to come out. Some of them even had their phones out to take videos. When he did, he was mortified. I'd never seen Josh that shocked and at a loss for what to do. The nickname Perv stuck all through his senior year and no girl wanted to go to the prom with him because they didn't want to associate with a perv. He never bullied Ben after that day because we made it clear that it was only laxatives at that time. The next one would be much worse. I mean, more than anything... 
don't bully people. I mean, especially in today's day and age with what's going on. You hear it in the news cycle all the time. You probably don't want to start picking on some unsuspecting kid. God forbid you make enemies with the wrong person. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.